So this missionary lost 
says that if someone is found to do something wrong, then you shouldn't make too big a deal of it. Again, they will say, we all make mistakes. None of us conduct himself perfectly. The one has different flaws than others. Some are born in a certain way. Others are much influenced by their environment, by their upbringing. And so they can't help themselves. You have to have understanding for that. We have to accept those things about each other. And so we shouldn't judge, but forgive one another. And indeed, there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? But there's a lot more to it. For that doesn't deal with the heart of the matter. With what is truly at stake. When you think that way, then you have an attitude of resignation. As if things can't be any different. As if you can't help yourself. As if you're not responsible to anybody. As if that's always the way it's going to be. As if there is no remedy. And there is. For you see, when you have such an attitude of resignation, then what do you do? Then you take God out of the picture. And not only God, but also your neighbor. And such a attitude is always self-serving. Now, what does the Bible teach us? Let's look at that passage, Leviticus 6, that we read. And again, you have to look at this passage in a way that it applies to us personally, not somebody else, to us. And here it is shown that forgiveness is not an automatic thing. It says there, if a man deceives his neighbor, or if he cheats him, or if he finds lost property and lies about it, then as soon as he is found out, he shall restore whatever belongs to his neighbor. He must give it all back to him. But not only that, he shall add a fifth of the value as well, and also hand that to his neighbor. But it still doesn't stop there. Guilty person must also go to the priest and confess his sins before him. And as a token of his sincerity and of the realization that he has wronged God, he is also to take a ram without blemish from his own flock and hand that animal over to the priest to be slaughtered, to be sacrificed to the Lord as an atonement. And the priest is then to take the blood of that slaughtered ram and smear the blood on the horns of the altar and in this way indicate that payment has been made. Now this passage is very instructive for us. For it teaches us two things. In the first place, we are shown that when we sin, no matter what sin that is, we sin in the first place against God. That is why you have to go to the priest. God wants payment for our sins. He wants us to realize that we have made his laws. He wants us to realize that we are indebted to him. That is what he wants from us. We have nothing to offer him except, as it says in Psalm 51, a contrite and broken heart. That is what God wants from every sinner. Only if we humble ourselves before the Lord can restoration between him and us take place. 
sides of our guilt. On the one hand, by using the word sin, the Lord Jesus reminds us that we didn't do what we had to. And on the other hand, with the word death, what we have to do is have fantasized. With these words, we are made to recognize that we are accomplices. We should and can do. Think about it. We don't love our neighbors as ourselves, do we? Itself. It uses the word transgression, it's also a biblical term, and that word summarizes both debt and sin. It also used the word misdeeds. All these words describe our wrong deeds, yet those misdeeds are only symptoms of what's wrong with us. And that's why it is a good thing that the catechism uses the word wretched sinners.
life. And as I am and as yet, we must be confronted with our sins. And that's what God's word does. It covers the second point. The word to forgive literally means to send away or to do away with. Considering our terrible condition, how wonderful it is to hear those words. Else we would be depressed, wouldn't we? Perhaps you are already. You're thinking about why do we always have to hear about our sins? But if you really own the fact that you are a terrible sinner, and if those words just roll off your lips, and if you do not feel them in your heart, then really the forgiveness of sins do not have any meaning for you. And then, if you do realize your sins, then the words of the Lord Jesus, that your sins are forgiven, are tremendously comforting, aren't they? It gives you great joy in life to know that in spite of the fact that you're such a wretched sinner, that God forgives you your sins with amazing grace. Amazing grace. Wonderful feeling to know about the forgiveness of sins when you realize what a wretched creature you are. And that knowledge gives you also a tremendous sense of well-being and relief and comfort to know. This condition is closely connected to the fourth. That is evident from the way the Lord Jesus, the great architect of this prayer, constructed it. The fourth condition states, Give us this day our daily bread. And then it immediately connects that statement up with the little word and. And forgive us our sins or our debts. Those two conditions should not be separated from each other. And why not? Well, no doubt you are aware about easy you need your bread. Without truth you cannot live. For that reason, man spends a very large part of his life to ensure that he will have bread on the table, for without food you die. You need to be desperately saved in this truth of the forgiveness of sins. Without the forgiveness of sins, you cannot live either. Without the forgiveness of sins, you do not have a relationship with your heavenly Father. Without him, you're dead. Lord God uses various words to describe how our sins are forgiven. He says, for example, that he will never remember them anymore. He says that he will cover our sins. He says that he will destroy them, that he will remove them as far as the east is from the west. And so he has so many different expressions to show us how he forgives us our sins. All these words and phrases indicate Lord God deals with our sins. It shows us what a compassionate God he is. Listen to what it says in Micah 7 verse 19. When the prophet writes about God's forgiveness, he says, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. 
that gives us. Think about the Day of Atonement. On that day, the high priest had to lay his hands on the goat that was to be sent away. And the laying of his hands on the goat symbolized the transfer of our sins to the goat. And then the Lord God ordered that goat to be sent into the wilderness. And the other goats would be slaughtered in the tabernacle so that the people would know that their sins are forgiven, that payment has been made for their sins, and that all is well between them and God. The Day of Atonement occurred every day. But throughout the whole year, sacrifices upon sacrifices were made upon the altar. There was a continual flow of blood in the land of Israel. Can you imagine the millions upon millions of animals that will have been slaughtered throughout many years before the coming of Christ? What did it all point to? They all pointed to the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross. I know you've heard this before many times, but don't think lightly about this. No, not think lightly about the way the Lord God Christ will tread upon his people the great weight of their sins and the great redemption through the blood of that Paschal Lamb. As we pray for the forgiveness of our sins, as we pray for the forgiveness of sins, we do so in fellowship with all of God's people, including God's people before Christ who are present. Together as God's people throughout the ages, we stand as beggars before God's throne. And brothers and sisters, you and I, we live in the midst of God's church. God's church here in Edmonton and Agnew. And we cannot separate ourselves from the rest of God's people. We cannot separate ourselves from all the hardness of heart found in the midst of hurt, from the lack of prayer lives in our midst, from our unbelief. We as part of God's people bear the guilt. And that is also the guilt that we have to bring before God's throne. The sin and the guilt of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. For you do not just pray for yourself. No, the Lord teaches us to pray for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's be concerned about our neighbors. That was the last point. When Peter asks the Lord Jesus about the forgiveness of sins, you know what else we have to forgive one another when the Lord Jesus tells us that there is no end to the forgiveness of sins. Not just seven times, seventy times. In other words, and then the Lord Jesus goes on and recites a parable about a man who owed an enormous amount of money to a king. Now that he owed France maybe today's value system would be around $50 billion or more. Impossible debt. The king being a merciful man, instead of throwing him in jail, which he had the right to do, forgive this man his debt. And you would think that he would be filled with gratitude and goodwill towards the king and his fellow servants. His actions show that his debt, that is not the case. For when someone who owed this man a few hundred dollars comes to him and asks him to have his debt forgiven, he refuses. 
best man thrown into jail until he would pay him what he owed. King finds out he's so angry that he takes his former position back and has him thrown in jail. This gentleman is well known. But the Lord wants to teach us in this parable the debt we owe God, that the debt we owe God does not compare to the debt that others owe us. It's minuscule compared to what we owe God. It's peanuts. Now you may question that. You may look at all the things that have been done to you. You feel the weight of the sins that others have committed against you. Maybe you were abused severely as a child. Emotionally, physically, sexually. And you cannot forget the things that have been done to you. You have a hard time forgiving. That's understandable. How can I that others have over against you, over against their neighbor. And then you have to think about what you have to do in order to have a relationship with God and with others. It's called a mission. A missionary Malawi. Someone had murdered his wife and his six-year-old child in a horrible way. That is the fruit of faith. 
gift that God has given to you. If you cannot forgive others, then you have no appreciation of God's forgiveness. And then God's Spirit doesn't live in you in the way that it should. God's Word cannot live and take root in a hard, bitter heart. Brothers and sisters, pray to the Lord for the forgiveness of sins. is wonderful but think about it think about how wonderful it is to have a refuge from this evil world in the blood of our lord and savior jesus christ savior the gift of the forgiveness of sins and all the benefits that go with it savior for yourself and for others